0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi friends, I'm Ashley Kramer and I'm Brittany Labby and this is more than a season podcast. With the help of men and women across all sports and
1: levels, we dive deep into the highs and lows of the sports industry. No topic is off
0: limits as we discuss the struggles and stereotypes while celebrating the successes and community that comes with this lifestyle. So whether you're a coach's or athlete's significant other or just enjoy talking about sports, you are welcome here.
1: Let's take a look beyond the season and get started with today's episode. What's going on, Playmakers. Welcome. Welcome back. Yeah. We're so happy that y'all are here. It truly means a lot that you come back and listen. And if you're new, we are so excited to have you. This is such a great community and it's something that brings a lot of people joy, including ourselves. We have a lot of fun doing it, but it's just an amazing community that we have here.
0: Yes. We love our community. And speaking of community, we have a bunch of different social platforms that you guys can join. So Instagram is one of our biggest platforms. We have a lot of fun over there. So if you like to laugh or make fun of the community or just make light of your situation, you'll definitely want to follow us on Instagram. If you want some more community and some more people to talk to, maybe ask questions, advice, Facebook groups is the place for you. And then Twitter, just for all quick things that are happening in our world. And we also have Pinterest and our interns are doing an amazing, amazing, amazing job just managing all of those platforms and really just killing it. So make sure that you go and follow all of those places. We will add every single social media platform in the show notes.
1: Yeah. And if you guys love this episode and love what we're about, if you could just take a moment right here and just give us a follow and a review, it really does help us. And uh, it just helps others be able to locate us if they're looking for somewhere that they need to feel like they want to belong or to find other uh, significant others in the sports industry. But we have a review and we do love to share these just because it means a lot to us, but this is from Annie 2016. So she wrote here, um, this sweet review gave us five stars. Thank you, Annie. And it says, I'm so grateful for this podcast and these women. They are the most authentic and real podcast and actual people. As someone who is a significant other that is just getting started in this industry, you guys make me really excited for the future. Oh, thanks, so Annie. sweet. Yeah. Well, that's just that we're real people. Like, yes, I know. Real
2: people. Here we are. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, yes. You know, the reviews are so nice and we just are trying to do anything and everything to provide resources to be there for y'all in any way that we can. And we have the holidays coming up. So if you've seen on our Instagram that we're starting to do gift guides, it's honestly helps our podcast and everything that goes from that link that you click on to purchase your own gifts for the holidays, it's all investing back into the platform. So it is so important to us and we appreciate when you do that.
0: Yes. So just a reminder, if there's anything that you like on our gift guides, please, please, please purchase through our link. It doesn't add any additional cost to you, but it does give us a small, small, small percentage back that we love and appreciate. And we utilize to get back to our podcast community. So thank you again for that. I cannot believe that it's Thanksgiving tomorrow. I I just keep thinking about how Thanksgiving is here already. I, th- I keep thinking it's October. Honestly, I'm still in October. You're still stuck in October. <laughs> I am. Yeah.
1: Thanksgiving's So weird to me. I, I don't know if it's the food or what, but I always think it's funny that I know it's tradition and I really do like tradition, but sometimes I just don't want Turkey or ham. I just yeah. don't. And I think it's so funny. I actually have some I don't know what you want to call it, like a vendetta or beef against the turkey right now, but I have a huge freaking knot on my head because I was organizing the freezer and this turkey that Carson wants to cook. I mean, more power to him. I'm not doing it. So I just said, I'd go pick it up, but he, um, was like, Hey, let's put it in the freezer So I started organizing the freezer and we have like ground beef, like in the freezer, pre done, whatever. And as I was organizing the bottom shelf, the top shelf kind of moved and the ground turkey or beef, whatever it was, packet fell off and hit me square in the head. It was so painful. So I just sat there and I was like, what,
0: (laughs) what just happened? Just got hit in the head with turkey. There you go.
1: Yes. I have this huge knot on my head, like huge, huge knot. So, you know, first thing that I do, I'm like texting Carson, like who put the ground Turkey in this, (laughs) in this way. And Carson's like, "Uh, you did. So completely (laughs) all my fault
0: all my fault, but it's always the worst. You're like trying to find someone to blame and you're like, dang, I can't blame anyone, but myself on this one. No.
1: And I looked pathetic. Cause I was sitting in the floor with the ground beef or whatever packet laying on the ground next to me with the freezer wide open. I just had to take a moment and I was like,
0: oh man, but you don't like ham either though. I know I that about ham. you. You don't like mm-hmm. ham. Mm-mm. I've never liked ham. I don't know why it's just always been one of those things that just like grosses me out. I like turkey, but I feel like a lot of people overcook their turkey on Thanksgiving and so it's always dry and like that's what I think of when I think of turkey and so it kind mm-hmm. of grosses me out, but and then I had to do the turkey last year. We did a friendsgiving and it was <laughs> it was so fun. It was honestly a good time. Drew mm-hmm. wanted to have it was his thing. He loves Thanksgiving. Boy will not let me like skip over Thanksgiving although I've already decorated for Christmas. He's like, "We cannot forget Thanksgiving."
1: So he loves
0: it, but we did Friendsgiving last year and that was the first time I ever had to cook a turkey and it was a disaster. I was like FaceTiming my mom and one of my other friends here, she was over and she was trying to help me with the turkey. And my mom's like, well, doesn't she know? And she's like, I've never cooked a turkey. She's like, well, why do you have somebody there that's never cooked a turkey? I'm like, I don't know. It's (laughs) just, we're both going for it. But like the bird was all over the place. It was slimy and gross. I'm like, never again. I have desire to do that ever again.
1: Yeah. I always wonder, I'm like, do you think that back way then when like Thanksgiving first started that they had all these random sides that like we have, I doubt that the pilgrims or whatever brought over some sweet potato casserole (laughs) came and set it off the table.
0: (laughs) I I just probably just over time, like people started adding things and then, you know, sharing things. And now more and more things are part of Thanksgiving. Cause I feel like Mac and cheese, like that is not like that's become more and more part of people's Thanksgiving, but that was never a Thanksgiving thing when I was growing up. So
1: yeah, I think it's just cause it's easy and convenient. Mm -hmm. I had to bake when I was living in Kansas. I baked, it was my first like Thanksgiving dish. And so I did Mac and cheese, but I put it in a Silver 10. And I never forget, I was so embarrassed, but I put it in like a silver 10 that you can like warm back up. And it was to go to one of the coaches' houses. And I was like, this young, like, you know, bright eyed, bushy tail, like, I'm going to make all this food and like come over. And so the recipe called for a teaspoon of Dijon mustard like powder. I don't know what it was for, but I will never forget this. It'll go down in history and I put in a tablespoon of the mustard like taste. Ugh. So by the time I know, and so by the time the mac and cheese was like sitting in the pan and all that, Carson went over and like took a bite of it. And his face was like, <gasps> and I looked at him and I go, what's wrong? And he goes, did you put mustard in this? And I was like, that's, that's what the recipe said. So I like went back and looked. And so I embarrassedly like, didn't, claim the mac and cheese. Like people were you like who made it? that? I just loved it. <laughs> I'm going to go to the grave with my mac and cheese. I literally was like no one's going to eat that and sure enough it was the dish, like my dish. You know what every Thanksgiving there's always one and it was because it was mustard mac and cheese. Pretty so much there was a
0: full dish of mac and cheese left over that they were yes. Like, who brought. Yes. <laughs>
1: I know. And someone brave enough, cause it looked like mac and cheese. Someone brave enough would like go take a spoon and like take it and put it on their plate. And they'd be like, Hey, you know, don't touch that mac and cheese. <laughs> it's looking a little rough. So it oh, made me laugh. Cause I was like, I'm not claiming that. And people were like, who brought it? And I was like, I don't know. Someone crazy brought that mac yeah, and cheese. Someone just randomly dropped that off. So weird. Yeah. So strange,
0: but, yeah, but yes. it'll be exciting to have. Thanksgiving. We actually play on Thanksgiving, so that will be fun. And we're both doing the Thanksgiving dinner the day after Thanksgiving. So be a little bit of a different tradition this year. And we know that with the holidays coming up, sometimes it's not super exciting for everyone and it can be tough for some people. And so we are thinking of you if these holiday times are not as exciting and cheerful as they are for others. We are just there for you if you ever need anyone to talk to. We are always there for you and our community is there for you. And that is kind of why we created this platform.
1: Yeah. So we feel, we feel you in all different types of ways, whether it be happy, whether you're just trying to get by. So we definitely are there for you, but we want to, we want to talk about this episode coming out and, uh, you know, yeah. And I was going to talk about sex, baby. (laughs) Yes. It's like the perfect song. To go with it. And I think that this episode is not kid friendly. So if you're driving right now, I just with kiddos in the back, it is definitely not a PG kind of conversation.
0: No, you might want to pause and uh, regroup when you're by yourself or with your husband or with your spouse or significant other. But uh, this is adults only, people. This is for the adults only. So we are excited. This is a good one, honestly. People don't talk about it enough in this industry. And in general, people don't talk about sex enough. And so we really just laid it all out there. Yeah.
1: Dr. Holly is first off amazing with words and the way that she describes like just scenarios between significant others to be able to work through things and communicate and how intimacy really does play a part in the rest of your relationship. So it's something that you really need to focus on. And she just kind of walks us through all the different avenues of what you can do to focus on your relationship, especially in our industry. And it's, it's so interesting because she puts it in perspective of our world. So she does real life comparisons of like, okay, well, if this is the time that you have, and this is, you know, the actual real life scenario that you guys are living currently let's do X, Y, and Z to make it better. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty to the point. I think
0: she is honestly amazing. She just is so confident in everything she says. And she's so matter of fact, and she's super, super intelligent and just has an amazing background. And so we are excited for y'all to listen and hopefully you can take away some things in this episode and we will see you on the other side. Hi everyone, welcome back. You know,
1: this is our favorite time of the week. We love sticking to the routine because we know that it is the best when we have an interview and especially around this topic. So we're excited. We're not going to say any more and we're going to let our guests introduce herself.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. My name is Dr. Holly Richmond. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, somatic psychotherapist, and certified sex therapist. I'm licensed in three states, California, Oregon, and New Jersey, but I do sexual wellness coaching nationwide and internationally. So I work a lot with survivors of sexual trauma and the recovery of sexual health. I just had a book published called Reclaiming Pleasure, a sex positive guide for moving past sexual trauma and living a passionate life. And I work with couples and individuals on all kinds of sexuality and relationship concerns. So this can be everything from erectile function issues, low desire, typical couples communication issues, whether that's around sexuality or emotions or logistics, anything that's happening in relational space. And I also work with non-binary identified individuals.
0: Wow. That is quite the resume. I think that you (laughs) probably take the cake for, um, the most interesting guests we've had on this podcast. So we are super excited to dive into this topic, but first I want to know how you even got to be where you're at. Like, how did you get interested in being a sex therapist and what was kind of your journey in the beginning?
2: Oh, gosh, I'll try to keep this as concise as possible. So this is my third career. But I'll tell you, so the second was as a journalist. So I was writing for magazines, health, fitness, really in that space for a long time. And while I loved it, there was a point I remember distinctly getting an article assigned to me on lip gloss. And I had the thought if I have to write one more article on lip gloss, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) Not that I don't love lip gloss, it's good. But it just really it was a eye opener that I needed to shift focus. Focus. I read a book around that time called True Notebooks by Mark Salzman. He was a writer who went into the boys' detention facilities in the LA area and started teaching creative writing. And I was really just like, got to stick up my ass, pardon the phrase, but I was like, I'm going to do that. So I called girls detention facilities in the LA area where I was living at the time and asked if I could come teach creative writing once a week. And they were like, sure. And they let me do that. I did not have any teaching experience whatsoever, but it just really felt necessary So I started working with girls on creative writing and what I discovered were they were sharing a lot of stories of sexual trauma. So gang rape, sexual abuse in the home, date rape. And I just didn't have the language or the skills to do anything other than say that's not okay. And I just felt so deficient and insufficient on what I could deliver. And again, it just lit a fire in me that I wanted to work with survivors and in this space. So I went back and got my master's in clinical psychology and did my 3000 hours of training at a rape crisis center.
1: That's incredible. You know, with the, with the subject of intimacy or sex or any topic that surrounds that, I feel like there's two extremes and correct me if I'm wrong. It's either it's a great thing and it's talked about and it's open or it's negative and just a really hard topic to talk about. So why do you think growing up, does it based on how your household raised you to talk about these things openly? Or why do you think it's such a taboo topic between couples? I think a
2: lot of it is exactly what you just said. We're not taught how to talk about it. And it's this idea that sex is supposed to be secretive. And to me, that's completely wrong. There's a difference between privacy and secrecy. So privacy, we all deserve. Sex can be a private thing. Secrecy is usually attached to shame. And that's where I think these conversations just get lost. A lot of times we feel shame talking about our sexual wants, desires, maybe if there's trauma present, of course, there's almost always going to be shame. But even if there's not any kind of sexual trauma, we just have a hard time talking about this. I hope That younger parents are doing a better job today of talking about sexuality and just not don't get pregnant and don't get an STI, but that sex is supposed to feel good, especially for young women. Uh, We don't get the conversation about pleasure nearly enough. I know I never got it at all.
0: Yeah, I know I didn't either. I grew up going to a Catholic middle school and high school, and I feel like that also has a huge impact on Mm -hmm. your perspective of sex. And I guess not to have it, just like you mentioned, it's all about like, don't have sex at all because you can get pregnant or you can contract STDs. So I think that it's really important that we start this conversation earlier for sure with our kids, especially with the kids in this industry. I mean, I think we have a lot of parents out there and I think just really honing in on the importance of having those conversations with your kids. Isn't there a statistic that your kids know about sex at a lot younger of an age than you thought? Like I, I, it was a mind-blowing number. I feel like that they, they learn about it.
2: It's shocking. So the statistic is between nine and 11 young people see porn for the first time.
0: Crazy. That is crazy to me.
2: (laughs) It's way too young and I'm not anti-porn. I'm just really pro knowing that porn is not sex education. Like, it's not even close to it. Porn is entertainment. It needs to be consumed by two consenting adults. If, and, or I should say, when kids stumble on porn, their friends show it to them. It's so important that this can be a, a conversation with parents just so they can say, that's between adults and that's not really what sex looks like. Sex is not a performance. It's supposed to be about consent and pleasure and you wanting to be there. And this is your body. Like all of these conversations that I have a feeling the three of us didn't get, not because we didn't have good parents, but just because our parents didn't have the
1: language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it does. It starts like in my household, we did not talk about it. We talked about what could happen if I were to make that choice. So it was almost like a fear based, um, education. Mm-hmm. And I just think that even, even when I, I was in relationships, even when i married now, you still, it's not that you have those thoughts of I'm doing something wrong, but those conversations of like your past to come up here and there that you're like, Oh, I remember this is what I was taught. And it's completely, not the way that it is now. It's more of an open discussion, at least more. I feel like we're all starting to try to educate ourselves and talk about it a little bit more. But within the sports industry, I really want to hear uh, your advice on this because we are away from our significant others for chunks of time. So either you're passing ships in the night where you're literally seeing each other for like an hour here and there, and then off season, it's more of like two weeks. So it's not this time off. So a lot of intimacy is lost in that. And that's what we have received feedback is that it turns to resentment and bitterness and just kind of pushing your partner away when you should do the opposite in the time that you have off. So what are some tips or just mindset practices that you would tell your clients?
2: This is so interesting. And I love this perspective and it's different than what I'm usually working with. So in long distance couples, that desire and longing is almost built into the dynamic, right? So when you're away from your person, you're, you're always craving them or you're supposedly craving them wanting more, it kind of fuels the erotic flames. But when you're talking about it from your perspective, which is your norm to be away, it easily turns into the resentment, so here's a few things that I would offer. This idea of intimacy, Ashley, that you were talking about, how I describe that is breaking the word down into me, see, how can your partner really see you? How can you connect it deeply? Is that through words? Is that we're going into the love languages a little bit here? Would it be sending you a little video? Would it be sending you flowers? Would it be doing something for you? How do you feel loved? How do you feel most seen? And when I'm also talking to long distance couples, I encourage them to bookend the day. And I know this is hard with time differences, but it's still critical. And I promise this holds the space for intimacy and eroticism. Start your morning and end your day with a phone call, if possible, FaceTime video where we're literally looking into each other's eyes is going to be the best bet there. But at least, at the very least, with a text to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. And please tell me if this is true. But I know for a lot of couples that are away from each other a lot, they just don't feel held in the space. They don't feel contained. It doesn't feel safe because they're missing. And they, it's just this void leads to insecurity. And insecure attachment can really be the death of a relationship.
0: Yeah. We have kind of twofold. We have people that are actually physically long distance from each other and they're in different States, cities, those type of things. And then we have, you know, the other side of our community who they're just gone. They're just gone a lot. And it's kind of feels like long distance, but it doesn't have that same excitement where you're like, Oh, I get to see them, you know, once a month because you see them every day. You just see them maybe like for 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Do we need to like, schedule time to have sex with our partners? Is that normal? Is that weird? (laughs) Is that taboo?
2: It's absolutely appropriate. And I recommend it, refer it, prescribe it all the time, especially if it's a long-term relationship. So that limerence phase. So most people call it the honeymoon phase is anywhere from maybe four months to 18 months where you just want each other right? So desire just kind of falls out of the sky and you want to be with your partner in a sexual way. But when you get into the long-term, more secure attachment phase, that's not there. So sometimes instead of building resentment, absolutely schedule sex, because then you can anticipate it, which can be really sexy in and of itself. You can text each other. You can sext each other. You can say, I'm dreaming already about what I want to do with you tonight. You know that there's a dedicated I don't care. It can be 10 minutes on the very short side. Um, quickies can be great sometimes to an hour or two where you know you can just be intentional about being present with each other, have the time set aside. It's so for people in your industry, but even for parents where life is just so busy, I know scheduling it doesn't sound sexy, but it's the best way that you can take care of the relationship.
1: Yeah. And is there, we've also received a couple of questions. Is there a healthy amount of times a week that you'd be intimate with your partner? I know that everyone has a different sex drive, they have different schedules, but is there a number? Because I feel like some of us like have to have like a number in our head to be like, okay, I did that. It's two times this week. Okay, I'm great. Okay. So is there like a healthy amount or do you just say it's whatever's best for the couple?
2: It's the couple has to have a conversation about it. The healthy amount is what both of you feel good about. And I was thinking about this with the sports industry and with you guys too. And I I have a question for you. But this numbers that you just said, that's really interesting, probably because of who you are and what you do there. It's very goal oriented, right? Like what's Mm -hmm. the goal? And I want to work towards it. And I want to meet it. Ashley, I wish I could say, yeah, two times a week and you're good. And that's average. (laughs) And that's great. It's, it's just, it's not, it's not the answer. (laughs) Sometimes it's going to be two times a week. Sometimes it's going to be four times a week. Sometimes it's not going to be at all for four weeks because someone isn't feeling well. Someone has an injury. Someone needs to take care of their family and in the most secure most erotic relationships they can tolerate this tension of having a lot of sex or not having enough sex because the relationship is so strong so in those moments and i have two young children so even for me a sex therapist that knows all the right things to do sometimes it's just saying to my husband i would really love to fuck your brains out right now and um, <laughs> that's as good as it's going to get and i mean it like i really mean it but i don't have the energy yeah. i don't have the time and and you know what? Like he can be disappointed for a second. And then he's like, yeah, you know what? I, I believe you. And we're going to, we're going to make this right. When we can take a vacation or have two days together or whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm. That kind of brings up my next question, because I think the other thing that we're concerned about is like not having sex and during the season, how normal that is or isn't, because I think a lot of the times, like we said, they're gone a lot and seasons can be, you know, for us in football, it's like about five months that you they're gone all the time. And so a uh, question that we received was if it's normal to not have sex, maybe at all during this period, what about
2: like long distance, like FaceTime sex or zoom sex? I don't know how you all or your listeners feel about that, but I think there's these things in between writing each other, sexy notes, or maybe it's just a love note, but really feeling like, what are you needing? How are you feeling like you need to be connected is sex literally about a physiological release with each other or is it about a deep connection? Because I think those experiences would be quite different. So no sex because the person has gone for five months. So like, I'm, I'm hoping there's some sexy phone conversations. I'm hoping there's some sexting. I'm, I'm hoping there's some sharing of sexy pictures. But I know everybody has their individual preferences here, but I I just don't feel like it would be healthy to shut off eroticism or sexuality for five months straight. That doesn't sound healthy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like uh, with some of these questions that our listeners have asked us, I think that everyone is still getting used to talking about these conversation topics because usually within our industry, it's very close knit. We're trying to break the mold of that, just talking about only surface level things. So I feel like just overall talking about this is a huge step in our community. And with that, just sex drive in general, I want to ask if there are anything that you can do to increase your sex drive during when you're exhausted and sleep is off the table? Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think are some other things that you could do to increase that?
2: So really go sensual with this and use your five senses. So sight, smell, taste, touch, sound, figure out what feels sexy to you or what makes you feel good in your body. So is this candles? Is this a bath? Is this a martini? Like, what is it like that can just start to tap into that eroticism? And I know I've been using this word a lot, but it's important. Eroticism can be sexy, but it's more about desire, life force, vitality, vivacity. You know how you feel when you feel sexy. That's kind of the feeling we're going for, but it's not all about lingerie or doing sexy things. It's just like tapping back into those small moments of would a bath be relaxing or could it be sexy? Could Putting on my leather jacket, could that make me feel sexy? So it's trying to find these these smaller moments when you say, so I I think I heard you say you're not, eat, you're barely sleeping. Um, you're overexercising. So the things that I can tell most people are not going to work with you guys. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope
2: you're still eating well.
1: Yeah. Still eating. It's just, I, I feel like lack of sleep is just the norm, like with the in season. And so you almost pull it all the other things that you can kind of, what you can control, I guess, in that scenario. Yeah. And I just think with society, like growing up, I feel like that is what we are made to think is sexy though. It's like lingerie or you have to do all these big things. And I just wanted to touch on that because it really is not the clothing or what you are seeing on, you know, social media, all these things that you think are sexy. It's really what works for you. And even with all of these things that are thrown at us to make us quote unquote, feel sexy, is it really being confident in yourself that helps with the sex drive or overall experience?
2: I do. I think it's being confident in yourself, but even more so when we're talking about sexuality, knowing what you want, right. And some days it might be, I want a quickie. Some days it might be, I want an hour long sensual experience. Sometimes it might include penetration. Some days it might not. So I also want to encourage your readers to explore their definition of sex, because if we're in this heteronormative world, it's penis and vagina, and that's great, but it can be about a million other things as well. Get creative in how you want to feel, how you want to share a space or a virtual space with your partner. Is it reading erotica together? Is it watching a sexy movie together? Is it just talking about something you'd like to do with your partner, like these high level peak sexual experiences, those can make us feel sexy. The healthiest couples talk about sex.
0: I think that's like, so interesting to me because I always felt like when I was growing up, just like we mentioned, you know, it was so like off the table that having those conversations now with my partner, I can tell he was kind of the same way. Like his parents didn't talk to him about it. And in school was kind of the same thing. And so having those conversations at first are so uncomfortable, like being able to talk to your partner about, those things that you mentioned, like using your five senses, like mm-hmm. what do you want or what do I want? Mm-hmm. How do you bring that up to your partner to kind of open up about that?
2: That's a great question. And and I hope I have a, a solution that will work. So definitely instead of saying, I wish you did this more, or I hate it when you do this, I didn't like that. Don't lead with that, lead with curiosity. Because when you do that, it really keeps your partner out of a position of defensiveness. So that would look like gosh, I loved it last week when we did this. I'm curious if you liked it Mm -hmm. or I'm curious over the last three years together, what was your favorite sexual experience with me? I'm curious, like, as we think about the next couple months, what could we do together that would be really sexy, right? Yeah, that's that's not, it's not defensive. It's just like, you're just asking for something and hopefully your partner will step into that vulnerability space and share with you. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I would need to work on my tone because I feel like I've, (laughs) I'd be passive and be like, I'm curious what you think. So I know it's all about the delivery at the end of the day with men, especially, I don't want to just put it on a specific gender, but I feel like majority it is a pride thing. And so it's hard to sit there and confront your partner and be like, Hey, you know, I didn't, I didn't really like that. You sounded like you liked that. Not me, but I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's hard to have those conversations.
2: It is. And I, again, I hope your partners can step out of their ego, which are fairly directly tied to their penises for sure. (laughs) But I hope they can step out of their egos and just be, just wonder what feels good for you. Like that's really feel good, sound good, taste good, all of those things and, and feel good, not just like arousal physiologically, but feel good as in connection too. like, that's, that's so much of sex, especially for in committed partnerships.
1: Yes and I I want to talk about the whole topic of fuck first because mm-hmm. I was I was researching and kind of looking on your Instagram and just your website and you are an advocate for that. So please explain to our listeners what that is and just why you think that that is a great idea.
2: It is and this came from Dan Savage many many years ago. But fuck first is really about when you're going out with your partner on a date to a big fancy dinner or out drinking or to a big party it's saying fuck first so you can be intentional about your sexuality and that physical connection before you go out into the world and eat a big meal like really no one feels like taking their clothes (laughs) off and rolling around after you've eaten steak potatoes Moose, like whatever, whatever it is. (laughs) Or if you go out and have four cocktails for men specifically, you know, that affects erectile issues for women too. You can not have as much sensation or alcohol is a depressant. You can feel tired. So fuck first is really about intentionality. And like, before we go out into the world, let's have sex. Let's have this awesome time together because you need it and you deserve it. But also then when you walk out the door, you're going to feel so connected and so spot on with your Mm -hmm. partner.
0: It just, you feel like you're on fire.
1: I mean, who made that a thing that you do that afterwards?
0: I don't know. That's brilliant.
1: That's brilliant. (laughs) I
0: feel like that's always been like talked about in movies and things like that. Like it's always been later on in the evening. And so maybe that's why everyone adopted it. I don't know.
2: Yeah. The, the rom-coms have screwed us. It's like, yeah, go on the big fancy date and then come <laughs> home and take your clothes off. Like who does not feel bloated after they've eaten like all this, the good stuff. Right. Anyway. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Agreed. If you're having like some issues with your partner, or maybe you guys just aren't connecting on, you know, what you each want sexually, or, you know, kind of having some issues with intimacy, what is the first step for figuring out if you should go talk to a sex therapist or maybe just couples therapy? Yeah. So have you had the conversations at least
2: one time, two times, 10 times? So if you bring up whatever, is it communication? Is it we're not having sex or there's a desire discrepancy, meaning like one person is really unhappy with their sex life. I would say before seeking out a therapist, try to have these conversations. Some couples can have these great conversations without anyone getting defensive or their feelings hurt. But if you feel like you're going around and around, um, you're not communicating effectively and the problem isn't being addressed in, in a way that's productive, that's when you're gonna seek out the help of a therapist. So a couples therapist would be more about communication issues, a lot of fighting or arguing or distancing stonewalling. Whereas a sex therapist can deal with all of those things as well, but there's usually a sexuality component Mm -hmm. in there.
0: So with the long distance couples, you know, you do have that like excitement that you had mentioned that builds up and you're excited to see your partner. And then potentially when you see your partner, that excitement is like too much and you, have performance anxiety, one or both of you. Um, Mm -hmm. do you see that happening a lot with long distance relationships? Is that normal?
2: Yes, I see it all the time and it's usually interesting, but tell me your perspective One partner is usually just excited and like, oh my gosh, we're right back where we were and let's like jump in. I'm so happy to be here. And the other person is in anxiety and they're like, I'm so excited to be here, but I'm also anxious and I don't feel like I can settle back in right now. Mm -hmm. So I need to go a little bit more slowly. So I think just validating both of those positions and feelings, what would the person who's anxious need to feel better? Would this be going for a walk? Would this be sitting in a bar and having a cocktail before you jump into bed together? Like, what is it you need? Do you feel need to feel heard again and have a conversation? Yeah. So it is, it is normal. And if both people are feeling anxious, that might actually even be better. So you can just like both say it. Oh my gosh, this feels so weird to be back together, but here we are. (laughs) Let's, uh, let's, let's go do something instead of sitting here and staring at each other. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Do you feel that the five love languages play a huge role? If those are off, do you think that that affects
2: intimacy? It absolutely affects it. And I just, when people bring this up to me, I'm like, I want you to know what your language is, but you also have to know your partner's language. That's critical. So really the question is, how does your partner feel loved? How do you feel loved and how does your partner feel loved? So just so everybody's clear, hopefully I'll get these all access, service, words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, and gifts. Physical touch can be affection. So it could be literally as simple as holding hands at dinner to really having crazy, crazy sex, right? And so like getting on the same page with your partner about what, what kind of physical touch are we talking about? So for a lot of men, physical touch is their love language. So Mm -hmm. is that affection or is it sex, right? And I see so much confusion there. Gift giving, um, does this literally mean like I need flowers or I need a piece of jewelry or does gift giving mean I need you to put a post-it note in my bag when I walk out the door every day, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Words of affection, I feel like a lot of women really like these just resonate so deeply and I don't know why men have trouble giving them but this can just be I'm thinking about you or you look so beautiful today or oh my gosh it meant so much to me when you fill in the blank acts of service making somebody a coffee washing their car I'm just thinking of my clients right now (laughs) this one guy is like this, his wife was like, I just don't feel loved by you. And he's like, but I wash your car every week. <laughs> She's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? That That's like that. I don't take that as love. And he's so confused. He's the sweetest guy. He's like, but I do that. She's like, I know you do, but I don't need you to. <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs> See, there's just so much confusion. I feel like between yeah. the two and until you figure out mine is gifts and quality time for sure. Okay. And so yep. just when we were first dating, he was like, well, I don't have the money to go out and buy you this like diamond necklace. I was like, I don't need <laughs> right. a necklace. I just need a, like a, I don't know. You could pick a flower and hand it to me. Yep. And I would just be like, oh, just so special. So I feel like everyone has to figure it out, especially what your partner's is too. Cause that's tough. I was doing it terrible. I was actually doing my quality time yep. and gifts to him, which was wrong. So I had to figure it out <laughs> over time. And and that's exactly
2: what happens. Like I'm loving you how I want to be loved Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work that way. It's, it's just, it has to be a conversation. So what is, how does your husband like to be loved?
1: Uh, My husband, he is touch and uh, words of affirmation. So I had to, I had to like flip it because I was giving him all these things and I'm like, why don't you care about the shirt that I bought you or the, he's like, I don't need that. He's like, just come sit by me or like hold my hand. Or just. So I had to figure it out over time, but I think that is true. It's a lot of couples you start to project what you want on your partner. Right. So what do you think, Dr. Holly, with your, with your clients, I know that you can't discuss to an extent due to um, confidentiality, but what do you find is the highest or the most talked about conversation like in your sessions that is probably the biggest problem that you see with all the couples
2: yeah so through my lens it's it's usually a desire discrepancy So by that again what it's boiled down to is frequency one partner is not happy with the frequency of sex that are, they're having but that is just so base level it's usually not about that it's mm-hmm. creating a space so there's sex actually worth wanting
1: mm-hmm.
2: right so who cares if you're having sex four times a week if it's bad sex? Yeah. but let's say the man's love language is physical touch, but it's really sex. He's like, I feel most connected when we're having sex, even helping his wife understand that it's connection that he's looking forward. So, because she's probably feeling like, Oh my gosh, he doesn't even care that it's me. He just wants to be having sex. It's, it's just breaking through all of these levels. So yeah, desire discrepancy, erectile dysfunction. I work with a, a lot Lately, a lot of couples who are interested in exploring consensual non, non-monogamy, open relationships, things come in waves. It's, it's really interesting. They're kinks and fetishes. Yeah. Things come in waves. Wow,
0: I feel like our society is so used to men being the ones that desire sex the most and being these really, you know, physical creatures. And I feel like I've talked to women who they are the ones that are the ones that have a higher desire for sex, but then they feel like if their significant other doesn't want that, you get that confidence knocked out of you. I feel like, Mm -hmm. do you experience that with any of your couples and what is something that you tell them that they can kind of take in actionable items? Yeah,
2: absolutely. It was really interesting. In 2017, there was a sea change and Every couple for that year coming in with desire discrepancy, it was the woman who was wanting more sex than the male partner. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you said that because we do, we kind of normalize, oh, it's always him that wants more sex. And that's hurtful and pathologizing and Um, emasculating. Not all men want sex all the time. That just isn't true. And it can be for a number of reasons. Again, it can just be kind of libidos are off or he can be taking a medication or there can be anxiety or there can be depression. There can be any, any number of things that affect libido. So again, it's coming to the table. Maybe the sex they're having just isn't working for him. Maybe he's desiring something else. So again, it would be exploring what kind of sex do we want to be having? How can we change this up? I never recommend having sex in the same place in the same way. You don't have to be like crazy hanging from the chandelier, but think, think about how things can just stay fresh, that it's not always Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with her on top everyone has their favorite positions. That's so normal. And I love having go-tos where, you know, you're probably going to have a good orgasm, but also go into a situation where you're like, well, I might not have an orgasm, but I know my partner really loves this. Mm -hmm. And these are conversations that partners don't have a lot because everyone's worried about themselves getting off or their partner getting off, but that's just, it's so limiting to the, to sexual pleasure if we're just looking at orgasm.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it is it all comes it all comes back to communication <laughs> and that's yeah. something that we all in this industry have to constantly work out because of just it's not a normal 9 to 5 kind of industry that we're in and so we just appreciate you coming on and talking to us about all of this and I'm sure that we will have plenty of questions to follow up and ask from our listeners and where can everyone find you if they want to learn more or learn more about you? Absolutely. And thank you again so much. So I'm on social media at
2: at Dr. Holly Richmond, at D-R-H-O-L-L-Y-R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D. My website is drhollyrichmond.com. Lots of articles there, lots of resources. Please feel free to reach out, ask any questions that you have. Ashley, I was thinking, so the two things we forgot to talk about, do you know teledildonics? Do you know what teledildonics are? And I'll nope. say this really fast. Please, okay. Please share. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If you are apart from your partner for months at a time, you can buy wireless vibrators, sex toys. So he could have a sleeve. You could have a vibrator. They connect through an app on your phone and you can share pleasure together okay, no matter where you are in TV the world. I saw it on a TV yeah.
0: show and I thought it was yeah. like just for the TV show, but that's so funny to know.
2: No, yeah. So wireless cool. sex wow. toys, essentially. So he could have like a masturbation sleeve. She would have a vibrator. You can control each other's toys. You can, you know, really you can coordinate them together. So that is a thing for long distance, for sure. And the other thing I just wanted to mention really quickly, and just for you guys to think about, you're yeah. so performance based that I'm curious if that shows up in the bedroom mm-hmm. in your industry. And my perspective is that performance can really ruin things. Uh, it's about pleasure and about two people being there, and not getting to a goal or focused on the performance piece.
1: Yeah. You forget you're not trying to score a touchdown, like within just trying to be intimate with your partner. You know, I just, I do agree though. It is very performance-based with our industry because I think that it's just, that's what you live and breathe like Mm -hmm. all day long. And so then you just have it ingrained in your brain. And I think that it's a lot of personal growth and journey with that to like Mm -hmm. leave that at work and then be different at home. And so we've found that with our listeners that it kind of like blends in and so those are great Mm. that's great points that you've made oh good yeah so it's not
2: about performance it's just about pleasure and connection you guys thank you again so much for having me Uh, it's
1: a pleasure to be here thank you yes thank you thank you to everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season podcast for the latest updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See
0: you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe.